0: to the official episode one of the grow with me podcast a podcast by me your host jessica founder entrepreneur of my own small business written executed with you in mind so welcome before we get into speaking with our guest today i just wanted to do some general housekeeping for those of you tuning in after much anticipation and i know maybe some expectations on your part you may have noticed that there is really just me hosting and my original co-host fellow entrepreneur charlotte clark is missing fear not though because after much of me dallying around to get this show started charlotte has considered her own path and potentially creating her own podcast for you so which is fantastic news so i just want to wish her the best of luck and keep your ears peeled and i am sure at some point we will hear from charlotte her journey with her own successful brand forever irregular so you can check them out on instagram I did just want to also thank uh, a few others for helping me to actually get this podcast together. So productions like this are rarely a one-man band. So a huge shout out to a wonderful duo from Nottingham. They are called Modern Coven, singers, songwriters uh, for allowing me to use a sample for the intro to the podcast. It's from their amazing track, Curses. It's amazing, I absolutely love it So thank you so much girls for letting me use that If it's a bit of you Then please do consider finding them on Instagram It's at modern underscore coven underscore And grabbing their music from iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music and YouTube Thanks girls for the support I also want to thank my amazing editor, someone that I have known, worked with for literal years now, and it is always an absolute treat to be working with him on something. So, wonderfully talented filmmaker and podcaster, he's also from Nottingham, Liam Banks. Um, You can find Liam's creative works all over on at Super Freak Media on the Instagram. If you love short form horror films and a podcast dedicated to discussing genre movies, then it's definitely a place to go so yeah go check out Liam's work thanks Liam for being a great friend colleague muse and for lending me your skills for this podcast Lastly, if you do love what you hear today and think it's uh, it's pretty useful for other people, then obviously please do consider rate reviewing and subscribing to us from the get-go. It really does help show us up in search. And of course, the more we reach, then the absolute better, because the more we actually fulfil the purpose of this podcast. So, now that's out of the way, let's get on to why you are really here. And we're going to be kicking off the podcast by discussing Niche. How do you find your niche? What even is a niche? Why is it so important? And what order you have to do things in? What happens when you think that you haven't got it right the first time? People have so many questions about their niche and it's probably one of the very first things that you would want to get crystal clear before moving on to branding or God forbid, actually launching your brand. So to help with this discussion, I am very excited and very pleased to welcome someone one that I consider a great friend, a witchy muse and fellow entrepreneur, Jordan. So, Jordan, hi.
1: Hi.
0: Hi. Uh, hi. Thank you for coming on to the show. I am actually so glad you've said yes to me, to be honest.
1: <laughs> That's okay. I'm really excited.
0: <laughs> I am so glad to have you here. And um, myself and Jordan have known each other for probably about maybe a year, maybe almost.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah yeah. About a year,
0: yeah, yeah, and we share quite a lot about our highs and lows of running a small business. Um, So you were just a perfect fit to have for the first episode. So thank you.
1: That's okay. We literally share everything. <laughs> yeah,
0: we really do. Um, So I think to kick it off, obviously for the listeners, tell us a little bit about you and why you, Jordan, decided to become an entrepreneur in the first place.
1: I think for me, I never I never kind of fit into a, a a corporate mold if that's if that's probably the right way to say it kind of I never really felt comfortable in a corporate environment even though I've always been within a corporate environment if that makes sense um, Yeah, total sense Yeah and I I think being my own boss and kind of um, especially in especially in this niche, I think that we both share a little bit witty, a little bit dark, a little bit mysterious. It was just a perfect fit for me, an absolute perfect fit for me.
0: Yeah, I can uh, completely, completely understand that. I think for me anyway, it's interesting that you said about the fit in the corporate mold because I think I I lived two very linear lives for quite a long time. I'm 32, so I'm relatively old to start my entrepreneurial journey, I suppose. (laughs) But a bit earlier. But I lived two very linear lives, sort of a creative existence and a very corporate existence that ran parallel to one another uh, for quite a long time. And I must admit, I'm quite good at compartmentalising, but I must admit I did struggle with that Um, in the end. I find that tough.
1: Yeah, I think when you do start out, it is tough to kind of find that balance because it is night and day. I think especially if you have a daytime corporate position at whatever level and then you kind of have to switch that off and then you come home and you do the thing that you love and you adore. It's kind of your mind never settles, but you're constantly having to switch between the two. And it is hard, and it does kind of take a little bit of getting used to, but then it makes it all that worthwhile um, when you get to kind of the position that we're in, where we're 12 months down the line, something like that, both quite similar time scales.
0: Yeah, I think it does make it all worth it. And like you say, you know, we've come from backgrounds where we've kind of had to work full time at the same time as our yeah. passion and I'm sure a lot of our listeners on the episode today will maybe even still be balancing a job like that and that you know to just keep keep on keeping on really because it will it will get there in the end.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So what was your initial idea? Was Coven and Co your first sort of foray into the world of business, or did you dabble in other things beforehand?
1: No, um, Coven was um, my first step into business. The name was always the name that kind of stuck, and um, that was the first thing that came to me. I absolutely adored it, and my passion is jewellery. I, I, I love huge rings. I love statement pieces, and it is changing the um, product that I give out to my audience does change but I think it fits in well with me personally on, on kind of forever evolving forever changing the core of the brand always remains the same
0: yeah I can see changes that you had through sort of products over the last yeah. sort of 12 months that I've known you and it just looks like you're coming into your own and I think that that's that's a natural progression of any new small business especially a first time entrepreneur and um, the same has been for us you know we started out with doing a whole line that we, doesn't even exist on our store anymore. We've had a lot yeah. of line changes in that past 12 months. And like you say, you know, you love statement pieces. I'm a big fan of statement piece jewellery, so Covenant yeah. coat is right up my street. But I can see that now. I can see more of that statement piece element coming into the business that maybe wasn't there 12 months ago.
1: Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, 12 months ago, it's, it's the product that we sell now in comparison to 12 months ago it is... Completely separate ends of the spectrum. The products that we're going to be showcasing at the end of this month, I think that is the truest representation of me that Coven has ever kind of had to give. It's quite big, quite large, quite statementish, quite powerful pieces.
0: But Do you think that's important for a founder to have you know, pieces or products in their line that, that are a real true reflection of, of who they are as the founder? Do you think that that's quite an important part of being sort of a startup?
1: Yeah, yeah, because I think when you do start out with a business, you have you have a little bit of an idea. And I think initial business ideas might be developed from something that you've seen. Maybe you've seen something online and you thought, oh, I'd love to do that. You kind of give your audience what you think they want. Um, mm. Rather than kind of um, giving them what you love yourself, but I do think that comes through development and it is a little bit nerve wracking at the beginning. I think you try and give out what you know what will sell um yeah. rather than rather than developing and selling something that you truly love, but I do think that comes with time and it comes with a lot of research and understanding and I think your product um, showcases the founder quite well but it does take time
0: yeah I think it takes a lot of that sort of self-development and finding maybe who you are through the course of becoming an entrepreneur because it is you know it it is a very um self-explanatory exploratory kind of process uh, becoming an entrepreneur. You know, there's so much you need to learn about business and about yourself and about maybe who you are. So through that sort of journey, I I think that ultimately your business changes as a result. Um, And I think it would be safe to say that that most businesses go through that in the first 12 to 18 months and really finding their feet. And I think a lot of us play it safe to start with. Like you were saying yeah. about kind of knowing what sells and things like that. You know, we play it safe. And actually when we feel comfortable in our decisions and we believe in ourselves and what we can do and what we bring to the table and what we bring to the market, then we start to have confidence of doing something outside of the box.
1: Yeah, the, the word that you just used, confidence, um, right on the edge of my lips I think you do have to gain that um, confidence to kind of believe in what you want to sell and actually push it out into the market and be like this is what I want to sell and this is what I believe is going to make my business successful and it, it is having that confidence to kind of say this is me showcase within a brand and um, I think if you once you get that confidence it does become a lot easier to kind of push out to your audience and show them who you are and they'll also be along with you for the ride
0: yeah, it's quite vulnerable. I think as a founder, um, it's quite a vulnerable place to be, um, which is probably why a lot of people continue to play it safe for for an extended period of time and, and don't have that confidence to trust in their own decisions and to trust in their vision. Because ultimately, the founder is responsible for the vision of the brand. You know, it's responsible yeah. for for all of that development, doing things a bit unique and a bit outside the box. And, and that ultimately comes from that confidence and that you know belief in oneself that you have yeah. what it takes. And I think that that is tough for everyone.
1: It is daunting. I think when you do start, it is a very daunting position to be in. But then I think the best thing that I learned is um, reaching out to people. There's no shame at all in reaching out to brands that, you personally love and kind of asking for help and using other people's brands for inspiration or kind of asking for help and advice and that kind of thing and i think people within our niche will give that advice and they will kind of offer out a helping hand
0: yeah i, I think that that is true and um sort of finding out who those people are and you know i i get asked a lot of questions i get an awful lot of inboxes about things but that's because i quite enjoy that side of it but equally i have met you know other founders of businesses who really struggle with with the help inside of things it, it's yeah. not something that they necessarily want to give away and you know we we respect that um, but i think yeah. there are plenty of people out there that are are open to offering their advice and their help and their sort of um way of doing things and you know, i get a lot of questions about shopify uh, surprisingly so yeah. <laughs> i think i was talking to you earlier wasn't i about shopify yeah. <laughs> as well well so yeah I'm always sort of open to discussing Shopify because as a as a small business founder you know you're expected to know everything you're expected to know accounting you're expected to know web development you know how to even how to ship things what all the shipping charges are you know before you know it you're wearing a hundred hats and actually you probably don't know half of it
1: and then and then product photography and editing and how to use Procreate and And then it's a little bit daunting to think, oh, I've got to get an iPad, I've got to get this, I've got to get that. All you have to have is be able to research. I think that's the biggest thing is researching prior. You don't need any fancy gadgets, you don't need anything like that. You just need to be able to research and read and kind of walk before... Yeah,
0: yeah, I think vision, vision's another big one as well. I mean, yeah. you know, we're all very small here. That's the purpose of this podcast. It's for small businesses. It's for founders who don't have masses of investment. You know, we'll yeah. all be bootstrapping from the beginning to get our businesses to where they are. And, you know, yeah. without any money, it can be hard, but it can be done. And all you need really is the vision and the tenacity and, you know, the research and the willingness to learn to drive it forward and get it there that is really all you need in your arsenal everything else will come
1: Uh, everything comes in time I think when you do first start on this on this journey that that you want to do for yourself I think the initial reaction is you need everything that you see other people have but I think a lot of people sometimes may forget that there's a lot of hard work a lot of I keep saying research I think it's so important to research the area in which that you want to grow this business and the audience you want to gain and a lot of it is reading and not log you just said yes development and reaching out and kind of yeah, you have you're expected to kind of know a hundred things, but just start with the one thing that's important and that's just kind of understanding where you want to go and who you are. Yeah.
0: Keeping that end goal in sight. And, you yep. know, the, the, the thing is, if you look at the whole, it seems impossible. So stop yep. looking at the whole goal. What you've got to do is break it down into small bite sized goals so that every day you can tick off one tiny thing off that list. And before the end of the year, you know, you'd have come from just an idea that I had in March 2020 to, you know, to a successful online store in a physical store space. If you'd have said that to me a year prior, I'd have looked at you gone out and said, that's impossible. So nothing is impossible, but just breaking down those big goals into very sizable sort of actionable chunks where you can just chip away at it daily and not focus on how big and scary that end goal is because that will put people off trying, I think, a lot of the time
1: yeah exactly exactly what you said if some if somebody would have kind of said to me oh you'll have an online store and you'll have a physical space and then potentially a second physical space and a third and i would have been absolutely gobsmacked and like, no way no way will jordan from the black country have this but here we are <laughs>
0: exactly um so we do, of course, have quite a similar customer base, uh, which yeah. is actually how we have met. So for those of you that don't know that are listening today, I am the founder of The Sankoven. Coven. It's a gothic luxury candle company based out of Derbyshire. We have quite the alternative audience, but actually, I have been really interested to find that during the first year of business, our potential customer is not quite who we first initially thought it might be. And I wanted to bring the conversation around to niche now and discuss a little bit with you, Jordan, about your niche and your process in figuring out exactly where your brand fits in this market. Is the Covenant Co that we see today the Covenant Co from 12 months ago, or have you made a few pivots since launch time?
1: oh god pivots it's been like um a road full of speed bumps but um, <laughs> it's, uh one of the biggest um turning points for me was um I think you remember it well Jess when I sent you about 16 messages about half three in the morning yep <laughs> <laughs> and remember I think it well. it was just <laughs> and a couple of all smelts I think um <laughs> I think it was just like a realization that what I was um, offering my customers, it wasn't what I wanted to offer. It wasn't who I was. And it was like what I said um previously. It was very what I thought people wanted. It weren't what I was in love with. I'm an absolute ring fanatic. I absolutely adore rings. I've got tons of them and my hands are ridiculously heavy 99% of the time. But, Same. Yeah, <laughs> I had not one single ring on Covenant Co and I didn't I know I that little, that's a revelation I <laughs> and I sat there at three o'clock in the morning again I apologize and it was a little bit like why, why why haven't I ventured down this avenue why haven't I done the thing that I love and yeah so it was kind of a 3am panic message to you plus 15 other messages and 16 balls notes and <laughs> it was kind of I launched the probably did a bit of a panic sale on the morning and was like right 50% off everything and and then I was on the hunter rings and then yeah so that, that propelled into something else and yeah we're ha- I'm having a little bit of a change this month and we're going on to something completely different but like I said earlier I think it's going to be the truest version of myself and the truest version of Coven.
0: yeah I think that's it, it's so brave and the reason i use the word brave is because it's it's stepping into sort of who you are as a founder and owning it and being willing to take the risk to take pretty big pivots when it comes to changing even you know what you sell that's quite a big thing to do when you're sort of establishing yourself so it's a brave thing to do and it's worth it for listeners to kind of take that away and say you know if it doesn't feel right if it's not what you want to sell if it's not right for the brand then be willing to take the risk. Be brave enough to take the risk because if you can't take those risks as founder of the company, then nobody else will and it will never be the company that you want it to be. So I think staying true to yourself is is so important.
1: Yeah, and I think being the truest version, I keep saying truest version because we've both touched it. It's so important to be true. I think being true to your audience and being... And I do believe that it kind of if you do change the branding um, and you you feel like you do need this change, whether it be product branding and um, the aesthetic, if you are true to your audience, they will stick by you.
0: Yeah, I firmly believe that too. Yeah, I mean, it is always a risk to sort of make those big changes, but I think if you if you you know as founder of the business, if you if you do things for the right reason all of the time and you stay true and you commit and you take those risks, you know, they trust in those decisions as well. Yeah. Um, which you know, you need you need your customers trust. But equally, it will never serve you wrong. It will never do you wrong because you you believe and trust in the decisions you are making for your business. I'm very hard to sway. You can ask my husband, <laughs> I'm very hard to sway when it comes to the scent coven because it's so in tune with my vision you know even down to he's made suggestions and I will hold my hands up and say it was the right decision but he had a fight to change a label because (laughs) I was so adamant that I did not want that label even when I had the labels printed and we put them on the product I stood staring at me he was like you're not happy with it are you and I was like it's, I just I just don't know. I just don't know. And do you know what's so funny? He was the one that came up with the neon on all my branding. And now what can I say? My brand is covered in neon. And that Thank is all down to him making that initial suggestion and me listening, taking it on board. You know, and then thinking, you know what, I do like it. I am going to take this risk. I do think it's yeah. right. And now it's so synonymous with our labelling and our branding. And I just, you know, but I am hard to sway. And that's because I like to make the final decision on everything with this business. And like you, you have to trust in your own decision. And if I don't like yeah. it and I don't want to do it, I won't be doing it.
1: It's the air as well that's what it is Yeah, it's
0: because
1: we're an Aries
0: it is absolutely I fully believe that <laughs> So uh, niche does get discussed a lot and pretty much every business related book, every podcast, every coach you meet, every expert mentions niche pretty early on in the process. So it's not to say that you can't make a change in your business later on if you find that things are not working, which we've obviously mentioned. However, doing the majority of the work early doors certainly makes life a lot easier and gives you a very clear path to take. When early on, it can be quite easy to deviate, particularly when you are feeling influenced by what other people might be doing. So, getting your niche right, the audience, network, and community that your product is for helps also with that next stage of the process, which is branding, so that you can kind of pull together who the product is for, where it sits in the market, and how your brand is actually going to show up within that market. Niche is more than a demographic, for example. So saying your niche is women age 18 to 25 is not really a niche at all. It's just far too broad. It doesn't really distinguish you enough from the rest of the market. So in fact, that's a really huge chunk of the pie if you were to just say women age 18 to 25. So I do find that people are afraid of what I call niching down, which is basically making that piece of pie seem really, really small. And what I want people to take away today is really that appealing to everyone ultimately means that you wind up appealing to no one in that process so how do you go about figuring out more about your person your customer do you have any tips for listeners on how to sort of start that process in figuring out who your customer is maybe market research that's probably one isn't it jordan
1: yeah i think that is one of the biggest ones
0: yeah and sort of figuring out who is doing what you know where the gaps are what brands are covering what area of that niche sort of using a regular customer to profile them as well so this is one that i mentioned this is obviously for people who've probably launched their store i.e you know me and you um it's good if you've got a regular customer that comes back time and time again they are your star customer. Why are they coming back time and time again to you? What is the reason? Profile that customer, find out, you know, what they're into, who are they? You know, what kind of people do they follow? What kind of items do yeah. they buy? Do they keep coming back for candles? Do they keep coming back for wax melts? You know, is it a woman? Is it a man? What category do they fall into? You know, are you know? there's so many things you can ask with market research, but definitely profiling your star customers is going to give you a Real idea of who you should be looking at. You want a hundred of those star customers. We don't need ten thousand mediocre ones who, you know, fly through every now and then. But you could do with a hundred star customers for sure. Looking at our businesses, um, between me and you, you would kind of expect us to have quite a similar niche. But we are a fine example of this, actually. I would say of of how completely different our niche is and our customer is despite falling into this kind of gothic witchy alternative category so yeah yeah, you know we we do have a similar vibe but maybe a customer of mine would love a fine piece of Covenant Co jewelry but primarily Mm -hmm. we have a different need or a different pain point and it's our job as a founder and a director to work that out to work out what their their passion is what they're after or what their pain point is and I always see it as sort of I always see it as working for your business, that we're working for our customer. You know, we want to give them exactly what they need and want. And to do that, you have to understand the fundamentals, like what your niche is, what your target market is, what their wants are, needs and desires, and how you are going to deliver them th- that to them successfully. So a well-defined niche really helps to drive your business in many, many ways. Your branding, your tone of voice and messaging, even down to ads and how you target. Target those to the right people. So niche is really at the heart and at the beginning of the process of building a successful brand, and that's why a lot of these coaches and podcasts and channels all bang on about niche is like the very first thing to look at. To niche down, you really want to take some of the suggestions that we have made about market research, about profiling a customer, you know, find out who they are, what they like to do on weekends, you know, where do they primarily live? Because I don't know about you, Jordan, but I do have a customer base in the US and Canada, but it's probably only about 15% of the business. You know, the rest of my business is in the UK. Do you, do, I'm guessing you have a similar thing.
1: I do have around about 10% um, of the customer base in the US and Canada and a little bit of a strange one, well, not a strange one, but Sweden. As well oh,
0: right. Great. Yeah. <laughs> That's important to know. That's part of your um, doing yeah. your profiling of your customer. It's important to know. You know, it'd be no good to you, would it, to say, promote some posts or run ads in yeah. France? Because... Yeah. Yeah. Half your customer base are not in France at the moment. It's not to say your brand won't grow and won't become a a success in Europe, throughout Europe. But at this point in time, it wouldn't be money well spent. So through through niching down, through finding your ideal customer, through profiling your customer, you know that the best place to put your money is in the UK and maybe a little bit in Sweden. You know that because of all the work that you've done.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of analysing your own business and understanding why, say, those handful of people from Sweden are shopping with me versus somebody else. So it's like, why are they shopping with me? Where did I live? Um, what's the appeal of government & Co to that mm-hmm. particular group of customers?
0: Yeah. And it may be that you find there's quite a strong alternative sort of gothic witchy community in Sweden that you can tap into that you may find through that market research and through profiling them customers there's a really strong community there that you're just tapping into and not accessing the whole market so yeah, it's really good, and it goes back to that point you made earlier about doing research, doing the work, putting the effort and the time in.
1: Yeah, it does. It's, it's putting the time, energy, and being efficient.
0: I mean, I I was quite shocked actually through doing this exercise in the past year to find that. My brand appealed to mums who fell in a 21 to 35 age bracket with a strong presence also in the 35 to 40 bracket that were not necessarily into sort of an all year Halloween vibe, but more associated with just an alternative lifestyle. So that kind of surprised me. And the mum part surprised me, even though I am a mum myself. But then you actually take a look at our brand and I suppose it does have that more sophisticated gothic appeal and also our price bracket yeah. is probably not well suited to a typical 18 year old that's kind of struggling at uni so this research has kind of helped me to cultivate a community of potential customers and obviously they're not all mums but it's helped me to really understand and target maybe more of my posts and ads and even write my captions and the way that i pitch things to sort yeah. of a bracket that i didn't even realize we had yeah. Like you and in Sweden, I, <laughs> you didn't
1: know. I was yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's understanding how, why, and what that customer, who that customer is, and why they're shopping with you, as opposed to the um any other candle brand that's out there, and why it appeals so much to them. And I think, like you just said, if you target that audience and understand, you can harness that.
0: Yeah yeah and it, you know your ideal customer may be hiding in places that that you didn't know so um it is yep. on you as the founder to do do that intel and do that work and it will serve you in yep. the long run I'm just going to bring it round a little bit now to something a little bit different, a little bit away from Niche. We have Coven and Kay here today who not just exist online, but actually now in a physical brick and mortar store space, which is incredible. So tell me about that process. Like what made you decide to move into the space? And how has Niche played a role in how you've decided to present the brand in that physical space?
1: I kind of wish that I had a grandma's story on how much, um, how much <laughs> physical space um, came about. But it's a fabulous space within Digbeth, which is in the heart of Birmingham. I visited there as a customer, um, had kind of no intention on moving in and bringing Covenant Coal to Digbeth, but it's that kind of space that does entourage you and it's full of small businesses and creative individuals. And it calls to you when you're there. I mean, you know more than anybody Jacks, It really does. It's
0: such a creative hub. I think that's the way of putting it. You kind of walk in and feel among friends and the creativity out of there. It's... It's I I want more of them. I I want I want them at home. You know, this is bringing it back from we've kind of seen the crash of the high street and where the high street is heading. And I can really see these pop up brick and mortar markets with multiple, you know, independent handmade brands popping up across the country, I can really see a market for that. So I, I totally agree. I mean, it really is. It's fantastic.
1: And it is happening. You've just described it in a perfect way. The whole street is kind of, people don't want to shop corporate anymore. No. People want that handmade special gift for somebody, even a gift to yourself. It doesn't have to be a gift for somebody else. People want to know that they are buying small and it's not kind of going into... um Subcat's pocket. Is that the right way to say it, Jess, would you say? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, do, do you think COVID's had an impact on that mentality?
1: Well, I, th- I think it's it's definitely had an impact on us as small business owners. I think it's gave mm. us a huge opportunity and there's a, a massive gap in the market for us. And I think it shows, I think, the amount of people that have come out of COVID with an amazing... Sort of, I mean, like, like yourself with the Scent Coven, like you've touched on, where you were 12 months ago, you couldn't have imagined... To be where you are now.
0: No, not not in a million years. I mean, you know, I started the same cover. Is to make a bit of extra pocket money. To be frank, yeah. um, you know, we wanted a bit of spare money to be able to kind of go on holiday or do something extra, yeah. um, and it, that's not what it became. And it's quite surprising. And you know, I'm glad that it didn't become that because I feel like I am becoming me. I feel like through the business, yeah. I'm becoming who I'm supposed to be, and that's a really wonderful, enlightening feeling.
1: When I moved into Redbrick Market. Um, in Digberth it was a smallish space uh, but perfect for what I wanted it was my own cre- creative space and something that I could um, showcase Covenant Covenant in a different way rather than just online and really kind of bring it to life and then just over the um, road opposite my little space there was the amazing Carrie from Beatles Bones and Butterflies.
0: Hi oh, Carrie, hi <laughs> <Carrie. Bye>, Mum. <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> and she has a, a like we discussed earlier she's in a very similar niche to what me and you are mm-hmm. a different um, product um, but kind of pushing it towards the same audience and me and her kind of um, twitched straight away and we have the same witchy aesthetic and the same views on life and um, this fabulous space became available in Redbrick Market what a perfect person to blend with and kind of showcase our what she wears in this beautiful exposed brick area within the market and yeah it just goes hand in hand with who we are and the product that we want to sell and it just really showcases um us both to the world
0: and you've given that a new name of its own haven't you so it is Covenant Co and um, Beatles Bones and Butterflies but it's it's presented as the witchery which I think was a fantastic idea and it's like this wonderful corner, beautiful bare brick and just a, a great corner that you kind of walk into and it's it, it's like walking into somebody's bedroom, you know, it's got everything in there. It's got jewellery, obviously Covenant Co jewellery but then it has candles and it's got you know sort of aromatherapy and it's got witchy kits and then the wonderful creations by Carrie hanging on the wall, mirrors, you know, um books that you can get hold of. And it's it's just yeah, it's a it's a really good uh, way of bringing you both together, but sort of having almost like it's a store of its own.
1: Yeah, which is kind of what we wanted to bring to the market space. So we came up with the idea of the victory because what a perfect name for the space it's very it's a very diverse mix of products so it's kind of if you wanted a tumble stone or if you wanted one of carrie's fabulous creations or 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 if it is that fabulous sterling silver ring it's It's got everything that kind of, it's basically me and Clary kind of on a page. It's what we love, it's what we enjoy.
0: It's one of those spaces you can really get lost in. I think because there is so much there and it's all kind of comes under this same niche. So if you're interested in those kind of products, you're kind of interested in the whole. So I've been known, you know, when I've gone to set my own store, you know, before I know it, I've wasted half an hour walking around there looking at everything (laughs) because it's like, I could just do with, you know, a piece of jewellery. Oh, I'd really like to have a piece of art. And then it's like, oh, the books, the books are interesting And then before you know it, you're <laughs> picking up a little, you know, potion kit And, it, you know, <laughs> before you've finished you, It feels like its own little um, homeware store It's like, um, sort of like, a, 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 well, I can't think of a homeware store now It's kind of like next for the witch, really Next homeware, exactly. you sort of go in there And it, it's got a bit of everything um, A department store, that's the word I'm looking for So, yeah, yeah it's, it, all it's all wonderful
1: Every aspect of that, of that, um that niche, it covers everything. Yes. If that person walks in, there's everything that that person would look.
0: Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Um, and obviously I wish you both the best of luck with the witchery and I'm sure we'll be seeing more witcheries pop up across the country as time goes oh. on. Tell our listeners one really good high for Covenant Co. Like what's been, what's been the moment where you've been most proud or most happy in the past year?
1: I do. I, I think it will have... It will have to be red brick market, I think, because it's something kind of that I always kind of thought about. um, I thought, oh, no, that will never happen. Having a a physical space, it will never happen. It's just, like you said, Jess, it was very much kind of meant to be pocket money. And it was kind of, oh, I could do this, I could try this. And looking looking at it now where we've got a physical space and we're looking at a second physical space in... Liverpool, and it's kind of like, how is all this happening to me? Yeah. I still can't kind of get over it. It's a little bit, it's, it feels a little bit out of this world, as ridiculous as that sounds. It kind of, for me, it's kind of what anybody can do it. You don't yeah. have to kind of be somebody special or yeah. anybody can achieve what they want to achieve. That's just a really nice answer.
0: message. That's, that's a lovely message to put across because. It really is true. And I think actually, you know, the fact that we both started out with this idea that, you know, we yeah. just want to do it for a little bit, just a little bit of extra was showing that yeah. we lacked self-confidence in our capabilities, yeah. that that we lacked the vision that we could do something, you know, potentially monstrous. And I think once you get into it and you start doing those baby steps and you're ticking those things off the list, you suddenly realize I am capable and this can happen so that's a really nice yeah. message to put across to listeners really that you know if you're feeling off put and you think the challenge is too big you know I dare you to just take the first step
1: yeah nothing nothing's too big I think mm-hmm. if, yeah, if you have the vision and you type like you just said, you type those by the step nothing is impossible nothing you can do anything that you kind of set out to do and it's just bringing it back to kind of you have to, you have to kind of plan and prepare, and but you are capable of doing anything.
0: Absolutely. So really, I suppose last question for you, but what's in store for Covenant Co in the next twelve to eighteen months? Um, how how do you plan ahead well enough that you can start making those baby steps that we keep talking about? So what have you kind of got in your mind's eye at this point? You mentioned a Liverpool store.
1: Yeah, so on the 17th of August, we're um, planning to open the second location in Redbrick Market, but um, in the hub of Redbrick Red Market, which is in Liverpool, and potentially a third. It seems wow. like everything's just kind of bombarding. <laughs> yeah,
0: snowball.
1: Um, yeah, but it's the best feeling in the world, kind of being consistently rushed off your feet, because it's something that you dream of, but it always comes when... It may feel like it's um, the most inconvenient, but just kind of take it and run with it. And it's, yeah, it's um, amazing and I'm really excited. The most excited I think I've ever been
0: yeah you can feel that you can feel that energy to be fair coming from you and i think that that's great what you said as well just run with it because there's no ideal time for any of this you know as a business we've had a, a number of setbacks and challenges and i'm sure at some point they'll be revealed throughout the podcast as i talk to people but yeah. um you know we didn't plan for any of those and i don't think you can and then we've had some you know amazing things that have happened that again have come at a really difficult time um and and you just have to roll with it you know the whole time up until yeah. Lopino, i still had a full-time job so you know trying to do 40 hours a week at a full-time job and open a store um you know yeah. physical store is is a lot it is a lot but you just just take it one day at a time and
1: yeah you have not,
0: lockdowns not... but you've just got to go with it
1: yeah i mean i remember speaking to you about um you potentially leaving your job and you was like, oh, no, not yet, not yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was Um, clinging on for dear life because it was terrifying. You know, personally, that was probably one of my biggest challenges personally, aside from the business. That was one of the hardest things for me because it's your security blanket and, you know, I'm inherently – pessimistic about some things I am optimistic but pessimistic about some and money is one of them and so it was very hard to not see how this could work long you know long term it was that constant nagging doubt there but in the end you have to take the leap of faith you have to do it there comes a point where You have to go all in. And again, it goes back to that being the founder, being the entrepreneur, you have to be willing to take those calculated risks.
1: And I think we've both very recently, like you said, a month ago, we've both kind of taken that leap and left our corporate world kind of behind. And it is a massive risk and it is a little bit daunting, but it's so worthwhile. Yeah, So worthwhile
0: Yeah, even just from a spiritual point of view It's um, very alleviating It's very, you know, the burden that sort of comes away yeah. from you That you suddenly realise that that you are living your true self every day yeah. There's no corporate version of Jordan There's no, no putting on the mask You know, you get to roll out of bed every day And live as your true self And I think that's the attainable goal That's success we could talk about all the successes of, you know, financial gain and, you know, owning multiple stores and all of those things. But actually, true success is being able to live as oneself, I would say.
1: Yeah. And it, and it, it does kind of boil down to that. And, and this does sound a little bit ridiculous, um, but you, you can't buy happiness. And I think that no. when you are happy in what you're doing, it, it speaks volumes.
0: No, you're totally right. You're totally right. and I know exactly what you mean. So I'm just going to summarize now, really. Uh, It is key to do the work early doors in your business and not to rush to launch your brand, sort of your brand new shiny products to a cold audience, as tempting as that might be. Uh, Doing the work of figuring out who you are, what your essence is as a brand, the tone of voice, the ethics and core values as the founder and how that message is going to permeate through it all helps towards sealing your position in the market the niche that you see yourself fitting in i am a firm believer that there is room for everyone that every niche is frankly crowded but there is only one of you the founder and the only one of your brand sending out the messages that you want to send so if you see your business as an extension of you and really discover what you can bring to the market then there really is no reason why you can't succeed i am going to challenge all of the listeners listeners here today i'm going to challenge all of you to go and get a pen and paper whether you are brand new to the game of entrepreneurship or if you already own a successful business write down who you are write down you know what you believe in what you think your niche is who your ideal customer is and cross cross cross-reference all of those Is that the image that you are putting out? Does that profile you have actually fit who is spending money at your store? Do that work that we spoke about and then apply it. It's never too late to apply it. So thanks so much, Jordan, for coming on the show and sharing your insight with our listeners. I really do wish you all the best with Covenant Co. Obviously, we're not going anywhere. I'll probably speak to you in the morning.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, I wish you all the best with it, And obviously, I hope that the brick and mortar store and all the new opportunities out there to you go from strength to strength. Um, oh. If you could just tell the listeners where they can find you online, your social media and your website.
1: So you can find us at Um or if you are on Instagram, hopefully you are, covenxcoal will take you to our main feed.
0: Excellent. That's it from us this week then, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Attend next time with a new guest, a new topic. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you are listening. And goodbye grow with me is created hosted and written by jessica messenger all sound design and editing is created by liam banks with original music written by modern coven from the track curses you can find original music by modern coven on itunes and spotify special thanks to all of our guests and their contribution to the show you can find out more on our instagram at grow <laughs>